welcome this morning. How's everybody doing? Doing good this morning? All right. Hey, listen, thank you for your prayers, your love. There's such an outpouring of love for my son, Luke. He was in the hospital uh, this past week and um, just so grateful. Um, he's out of the hospital. He's home. I don't know if he came this morning or not. Um, thank you uh, for your continued prayers for his health and healing uh, on his leg. It's a pretty gnarly infection. And so um, we're just praying that he'll be back to full strength in the next week or so. But uh, thanks again. Man, so grateful for you guys. It was interesting because we just started the book of Job on uh, Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, you, you study the book, you teach the book, and then, you know, you're reminded of some realities. Remember, Job had brutal uh, circumstances in his life, like losing his family, his business, and his employees. And you remember his response to, um, to all that came into his life. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we don't like that, do we? You don't like to, but it's like it's a reality. The Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from him. And what we have, what he's blessed us with is on loan. And I was reminded of that this week, that everything we have is from his hand and he can take it away anytime he wants in his wisdom, in his love, in his goodness, in his grace. And that I was reminded just how much, um, what a privilege it is, what a blessing it is to have kids, to have family, to have this church family, and not just that, but to enjoy the time that we do have with one another, to rejoice in the hope that we have, the family that we have, in God's goodness and in His grace. And so it's a time to worship, you guys. It's a time to enjoy the fellowship we get to share with Jesus and with one another. Amen. And so this morning, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, so if you have a Bible, if you have your Bible, please turn there with me, continuing our verse-by-verse crawl through this book. (laughs) Normally, we kind of bust out about a chapter a week, um, and so we really slowed it down. First Corinthians chapter 2. I, listen, I don't remember where we ended last week. Uh, both services, we kind of ended at different spots. So I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go back to verse 9. I think it was right around verse 13, 14 where we ended. But I'm going to go back, get a running start so we can get the context of what Paul's communicating here. And uh, then we'll move forward into chapter 3. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much again. You're so good. So kind to us. So gracious. Thank you for your mercies that are new each and every day. We, we love that fresh batch of mercies that you have for us. and Layer upon layer of grace, Jesus. And so may we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. May we come to know you more to know your ways and to walk in your ways. And as we open our hearts this morning to you, as we, as we tune in our ears to your voice, may we hear what the Spirit is saying. And by the power of your Spirit, that you would change us, that you would transform us, mold us, fashion us into the men and women that you 
desire us to be. We thank you for the great things you're going to do this morning. And we commit this time to you now for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I wrote down, like I said, we're going through it at a kind of slower pace through 1 Corinthians. Um, But I think it's important that we're reminded of the context. And I wrote down some things just to kind of help us um, to understand. Because if you just jump in here... Um, and just jump into the Bible say it's like, well, how in the world do we get here? Why is Paul saying what he's saying here? And remember, this is a letter. When, when this letter was written, there was no chapter breaks. There was no verse breaks. It, but we, those have been inserted later um, to help us out to study. And so remember, Paul is writing to these precious people that he was involved with. He planted the church. He pastored the church. He found out there's some problems going on within the church, and as a good pastor, as a good father, he wants to help them. He wants to help them move forward, to grow up, if you will, to mature in the faith. And one of the, what was the first issue? You guys remember the first issue? There was divisions in the church, right? And Paul's trying to help them to get along. He's trying to help them get along again so that they would, be, they would be one as the Lord, as Jesus prayed, as he and the Father are one. That's what God is aiming at for our fellowship, you guys. He's aiming at oneness. He wants to work oneness in our lives as a church family. That's what Jesus prayed for. And yet in Corinth, there wasn't oneness. There was division. There was, uh, there was schisms. There was factions. And so Paul is helping them. And, and you just think about that. Going to church, you'd leave the world and you'd come to church, and what would you find? Drama in the church. Fighting in the church. There's enough of that out there, isn't there? People should, we shouldn't come in here and gather together as God's people and there'd be drama, you guys. Unfortunately, there is because we don't do things Jesus' way so often. We do things our own way or worldly ways. And yet, Paul said in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. That's something that should be happening as we gather together. Righteousness, doing things God's way. There should be joy. There should be peace as we gather together. And so there wasn't in the church. And so again, Paul's trying to help them. And he reminded them, listen to this, he reminded them from the outset of the letter that they are to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. To be set apart for the Lord, for his purposes. To be growing in Christ-likeness. Holiness is Christ-likeness. Growing in Christ-likeness. And the problem that was happening in Corinth was they were becoming less and less, less and less like Jesus and more and more like the world around them. The world had begun to bleed into the church. Worldly values, worldly wisdom, doing things man's way rather than doing things God's way. And it affected them. The fruit of of, uh, they were reaping the fruit of man's wisdom, worldly wisdom. And uh, when we go about things in our own wisdom or our own strength, you know what we're saying? We're saying that Jesus is not enough. That Jesus Christ and him crucified is somehow lacking. And that's just not the case, you guys. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Wisdom, power, Paul reminded them the message of the cross, the power of the message of the cross. He reminded them of their calling and why God, why God does, does things the way he does things so that we wouldn't trust in our own wisdom or our own strength, but we would trust in God, his spirit, a work of his spirit, his wisdom, and his power. Are you with me this morning? And so as we, 
As we get into the tail end of chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's going to be three types of, of people. Three types of people in the church sometimes when we gather together. There's the spiritual person or the spiritual man. There's the carnal Christian. And there's also the natural man. And so the question is, who are you this morning? Who are you? Isn't that a song? Who are you? Who, 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 who? I really want to know. The question is, who are you this morning? Which person are you? So let's check it out. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 9. Let's get a running start here. Paul says in verse 9, but as it is written, and he's quoting from Isaiah 64, Isaiah 65, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But, check this out, God has revealed them to us, how? Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, this is so awesome, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Aren't you guys glad we have the Holy Spirit? The helper, right? The comforter. So Paul's reminding them of that. And so in verse 9 and 10, Paul reminds them, the amazing, glorious things that God has prepared, those things have been revealed to us as his children. I think that's amazing. God has made known to his children who love him by the Holy Spirit these amazing things. Hasn't God revealed some amazing things to us? I was thinking uh, last night, no unsaved person can see what you see. No unsaved person can hear what you hear. The things you experience within your heart, there's no way they can experience those things. Only you and I can, those who are born again by the Spirit of God. And listen, it is a spiritual thing, isn't it, though? We read in the Bible, taste and see the Lord is good. That's not with your physical palate, is it? It's a spiritual thing. We taste and see spiritually. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Is that with our physical eyes? It's with our spiritual eyes, correct? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We hear with spiritual ears. It's so important to understand that. When we, when we invited Jesus into our hearts, we become alive spiritually. The miracle of miracles, God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our lives. And what begins to happen? Our lives begin to change. We begin to grasp these things of God's word, the beautiful things that he's prepared for us. He's made known, made known those things to us. Listen, it is always by revelation he, he, we learn these things, by the way. Jesus said in Matthew 11... Thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, but you've revealed them to babes. 
It's revelation. He reveals these things to us through His Spirit. Look at verse 10 right at the end. For the Spirit searches or seeks, examines, investigates how much? The Spirit examines everything. He searches everything. Yes, the profound, the weighty, the complex, deep things of God. And then he uses, he's trying to help us understand this point he's making. He uses a human illustration and he says what? He says in verse 11, For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Only you know what's going on deep down inside of you, correct? Are there things you know about yourself that no one else knows? Yes or no? Yes. Unless you do what? Unless you reveal them, unless you share them with someone else. There are some things that you guys have said to me before, sharing your heart with me, that I'll, thank you for sharing that. Some, it's like TMI, you know, too much info. It's okay. Similarly, what's true in, what's true in a human is true in God also. That's the point that Paul's making here. God communicates his heart. No one knows what's going on deep down within God, but who? His spirit, except the spirit of God. And he's given us the spirit that we might know those things that are within his heart. Isn't that precious, you guys? God wants us to know his heart, to know what's going on inside of him. Is that anybody else excited about that? That's amazing. When we put our trust in God's son, Jesus Christ, we were given, look what it says in verse 12, not the spirit of the world, But the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit came into us. Why? That we might know, that word know means to see clearly, to behold, to understand, to have knowledge of, not just that, but to cherish also those things God has what? Freely given to us. He's undeservedly, by His grace, given us these things that we might know, that we might know Him that we might know about him. We might know about what he's doing, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, God's love, his heart, his goodness, who he is. The Holy Spirit lets us know how blessed we are, how good God has been to us. Amen? It's so beautiful. Why do we know God the way that we do? It's because the Spirit is living in within each one of us, you guys. That's a precious thing to consider this morning. And the Holy Spirit will do this in any of us, no matter what age, no matter how smart you are or how not smart you are. The Holy Spirit will do that within every single one of us that is trusting in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. God's equal opportunity, you guys. He wants us all to know Him. That that would be our boast, that we know and understand the Lord. So glorious. But it doesn't just stop there. Look what Paul says in verse 13. Now that we know these things, should we hold on to them? Should we be stuff hoarders? There should be something coming out, correct? Look at what, what Paul says. Look at the next verse. These things, what things? The things that God has given us, He's revealed to us by His Spirit. We also, what? We also speak how? Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things 
with spiritual. And so the things freely given to us by God, revealed by the Holy Spirit, Paul says we communicate these glorious things, but not using man's wisdom. Because God's wisdom comes by revelation, you guys. It's not by human wisdom. And and we talked about this last week, I think, in this service. I can't remember. But don't we talk about the things we love? Some of you guys, I know exactly where you eat. I look at your, uh, what do you call it, Uh, your posts on your, sometimes some people show me, hey, look where I'm eating today. Look at the clothes I tried on. On your little, what are they, what is it? Social media. You guys didn't think I ever looked at that, did you? <laughs> but we, we, we communicate things that matter to us, don't we? I mean, doesn't that matter where you, you want everyone to know what you had, where you ate, what you're wearing, what you got at the store, right? Isn't that what we do with social media? We let everyone know what matters to us. We communicate the things we love, the things that matter most to us. Paul's like, you know what? These things that God has revealed... I want everybody to know that. That's what matters to me. The truths, these amazing spiritual truths, the, the things that God has blessed me with, us with, we, we speak those things. We can't help but speak those things. They're so amazing, so glorious, so awesome. And Paul reminds them of who our teacher is, the Holy Spirit, right? Doesn't he say that? But which the Holy Spirit teaches does it say anywhere else in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is our teacher? Anywhere else? John, thank you. John 14, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, anyone here need help? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, check this out, He will teach you all things. How much is all? All. All. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to teach you, teach me. He's going to help us learn all things. And not only that, he's going to bring to remembrance the things that Jesus said. But wait, there's more. John 16, listen to this. Jesus said, however, he, the spirit of truth, does anyone here need truth in their life? Lots of lies being fed out there, correct, in the world? Tons of lies. Media, news, in the workplace, in the school. We need truth. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How much truth? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Isn't that a blessing? Our helper will guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said, and Jesus will get the glory in all of that. And so Paul reminds them there, back in verse 13, we speak these things, we minister these things, And think about that. What's Paul saying? He's saying we communicate the word of God and we allow the Holy Spirit to work through the word of God. Notice it says the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It is absolutely vital, you guys, when we are sharing with people to share the word of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and in our lives. Are you with me? 
It's the, it's, the, it's the seed of God's word that has the DNA to change the life. I think we talked about that last week, right? Jesus talked about the sower, sowing the seed. What's the seed? The word of God, right? And it lands on a certain condition of soil, which represents our hearts. We talked about that. We want to have that condition of our heart where we're receiving the implanted word with meekness. That we, we treasure the word and we do the word and we hold on to the word. And what begins to happen? We bear fruit in our lives. It doesn't matter how many seed sowing diplomas I have on my wall or seed sowing certificates I have on my wall. The power is in the word of God. Sharing the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through the word of God. So important. Are you with me? So vital. And he says here, comparing or explaining spiritual things with spiritual. That word uh, comparing means explaining or to join together fitly. And I've shared this before. The best commentary for the Bible is the, it's the Bible itself. And you look how Paul writes when he's writing his letter, especially this one. How many times he goes back to the Old Testament? Have you noticed that? In my Bible, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of indented where he quotes, he backs up his points from the Old Testament, and then he uses illustrations to help people connect the dots spiritually. Because now we're online spiritually, now we're connected, we're able to see, see clearly and have clarity as these things are being pointed out to us through the Word of God. Listen, you don't have to be profound for the Word of God to speak profoundly to people. Against the word of God, the power of the word of God. It's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, God says in Jeremiah. Don't our hearts get hard, you guys? You guys ever get hard hearts? You have a hard heart this morning? It's the word of God. God says it's like a hammer breaking the rock in pieces. It's like a fire. Burns, right? Burns away the chaff, burns away the junk. So important, the word of God. And so now we talk about the natural man. Look at verse 14. But the natural man does not receive what? The things of the Spirit of God. Why? Why does he not receive the things of the Spirit of God? Look what it says. For they are foolishness to him. Nor, second, nor can he know them. Nor can he know the, the things of the Spirit. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. But, contrast, he who is spiritual judges, how much? All things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we're now we're getting into this contrast. The natural man and also the which man? Spiritual man. The natural man is unregenerate. He's not born again. He's not saved. This man is not trusting in Jesus Christ. He's, again, he's not born again. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He's dead in his trespasses and sins. Every one of us was born dead in our trespasses and sins. And it's Jesus who makes us alive when we place our trust and our faith in him. That's what it means to get born again. The natural man, though, he is alive physically, but he's dead spiritually. Does that make sense? Are you with me? He's living after his fleshly fallen nature. That's why he's the, 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 the natural man. Living after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's all he lives for. That's what his life is all about. 
He's living on the animal plane. What I'm going to put on, what I'm going to put in, that's all I care about. That's the natural man. And notice what it says. He does not receive. He rejects. He refuses what the Holy Spirit is trying to give him. These amazing things. God's love, his forgiveness, the cross. These amazing truths that Jesus is coming. All these amazing things he's trying, the Holy Spirit is trying to show him, but he's saying, I don't want it. I don't want to hear about it. Why? They're foolishness. They're stupid. Literally, they're stupid to him. You ever had somebody say that to you? A few of us are sharing with others. Get away from me with that Jesus stuff. I don't want to hear that. It's foolishness. It's dumb. It happens. And that's a fulfillment of God's word, by the way. You're, you're, you're doing what you should be doing. And, and that's what's going to happen. That natural man rejects what's being shared with him. But also notice, he does not know those spiritual things. He doesn't know those glorious things. He doesn't know them experientially. Why? Look what it says. Because they're spiritually discerned. In other words, he is not online spiritually, so to speak. He's not connected to heaven. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. So God has this glorious, amazing stuff. But this man not only says no, he has no connection. He doesn't appreciate those things. He can't appreciate those things. Why? Because he's blind. He's, he's blind, correct? How's that song go? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a really good person like me. No. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I See, this man is blind. He can't see. And you're, you're try, it's like trying to describe a sunset to a blind man. Oh, the colors are awesome. And Dude, I don't want to hear it. He can't see. But then what happens? You open your heart to Jesus and, wow, amazing, glorious. Who Jesus is, it's beautiful. And I can see spiritually now. I can see clearly now. I know what life's about. I know where I'm headed. I know what God has in store for me. And it's glorious. It's beautiful. They can't understand it. People say, you go to church on what, when? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're wasting your life, man. And you go to ladies' Bible study, and you go to men's Bible study, and you do that. You go on a mission trip, are you crazy? You're spending your money on that? They don't get it, do they? They don't get it. It doesn't make sense because they're not online spiritually. The natural man. And it wasn't until Jesus breathed on his disciples that they received the Holy Spirit. You guys remember that? John chapter 20. You guys remember that? Where were the disciples? They were hiding, right? Behind closed doors. And Jesus came and what did he, what did he do? Did he pick the lock to get in? He just pops up, shalom, peace be unto you. And what did he say? He said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. When Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, do you receive the Holy Spirit? Some people say it's symbolic. No way, man. Because the, the parallel text is in Luke 24, when Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Because isn't that what happens when you're born again? When you receive the Holy Spirit? Are you with me still? Aren't you grateful for that? 
What a privilege it is to have Jesus open our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures, that we might understand his word, understand who he is. Verse 15, the spiritual man. The spiritual man, he's online spiritually growing in God's wisdom, maturing as he follows Jesus, walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit, filled with the spirit, yielded to the Holy Spirit. And I love this. It says the spiritual man judges how much? All things. Judges means to discern, to make an estimation. It means to examine in order to come to a conclusion. He, the, the spiritual man has the capacity and the ability to discern, to understand all things. Why? Because, number one, he has the Holy Spirit. But number two, he processes things through the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say? When you're walking in the Spirit, when you're in the Spirit, you get it, don't you? You're connected to the Lord. You're spending time seeking His face. Everything's starting to make sense. The Holy Spirit is our helper. We've been made alive to be able to spiritually discern all things. But something else here. Look what it says at the end of that verse, verse 15. It says, yet he himself, the spiritual man, is what? Is judged or rightly judged, rightly discerned or correctly understood by who? By no one. You know what that means? The natural man cannot come to a correct understanding of why the spiritual man does what he does. Think about it. For me, I know both realms. I know both the physical realm and the spiritual realm. 28 years of my life, I gave to the physical, living for the temporary, living for the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But then at 28 years old, I got born again. Now I know both realms. I know, I know what's going on over there. I don't want to go back to that realm anymore. It's bondage. But the man, the man that is the natural man, he can't judge you. He's only been in one realm. He's only been in the physical realm. That's it. He, can't, he doesn't know what you're doing. He doesn't know what's going on in your life. And isn't that what happens? You share with somebody that Jesus is coming again, they think you're from Mars. You're speaking a different language, bro. You're right, man. I'm speaking the language of heaven, of my heavenly Father. And people are just scratching their heads. That just doesn't make sense to me. Why would you leave a career in professional baseball to move to Houston, Texas to sing songs to Jesus and teach the Bible to people? Are you out of your mind? You can retire. You can be wealthy. You can live on Newport Beach and surf the rest of your life. I'm not out of my mind. Jesus called me to do this. You heard his voice. He spoke to my heart. Are you hearing voices? I'm hearing, I'm hearing one voice. There's lots of voices out there competing for my affection and attention, but I need to hear the good shepherd's voice, and I know what he's called me to do. But people think, what? You're out of your mind. You're out of your treehouse, dude. You're, what's the matter with you? I'm totally in my right mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. I'm finally in my right mind, clothed and in my right mind. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And Paul goes on to say, he quotes Isaiah 40, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have, what do we have? What have we been given? The mind of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? 
He's enabled us by his grace to see spiritually, clearly, with great clarity. We have discernment. Think about the things we have. We have understanding. We know the things he's graciously given to us freely. We have wisdom from him. But here's the deal. It can't stop there, you guys. It can't stop at just knowing these things. It can't stop with just having the mind of Christ. We need to walk in the mind of Christ. Remember Philippians 2? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Four things. Four, four applications of the mind of Christ. You guys remember what number one was? He made himself of no reputation. reputation. Think about how much we care about our reputations. Don't we? We put, so much, we put so much into our reputations. That's what the Corinthians were doing. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this little group. I'm of that little flavor. But Jesus made himself of no reputation. That's number one. Number two, he became what? He chose to be a servant. He chose to be a servant. Listen, servanthood is the basis for unity, you guys. The church in Corinth was what? Were they, were they unified? They were what? Divided. Selfish ambition. Pride. Selfishness. Is it right at the root of division? Correct? You guys remember when James and John went to Jesus? Actually, they sent their mom. Right? Remember? Can you imagine that conversation? Mom, can you do something for us? We want the best seats in the house. We want the best seats in the kingdom. They were sneaky, right? Jesus saw right through it. You know, the seats are not mine to give. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Right? Remember what he said to him? Oh, yeah. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? Oh, yeah. Because pride and selfishness blinds us. Oh, yeah, man, I can do this thing. And Jesus said, listen, those seats are not for me to give. That's for the Father to give. And then what happened? It says in that text that the ten were displeased with the two. They're no longer the twelve anymore. They're the ten and the two. Because selfishness and pride always divides. And Jesus did what? He called them unto himself. That's always where revival happens, is coming to Jesus, coming back to him. And what does he say? Listen, the the people, the businessmen in the world, they lord it over one another. They lord it over people. They amass as many people as possible to serve them. Not so among you. You want to be great in my kingdom, become a servant of who? All. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, if you want to be great, truly great in the kingdom, it's not about building your reputation, building your little kingdom, amassing a bunch of people to serve you. It's serving others. And a servant, listen, what does a servant do? Think about this with me. A servant lives to make other people's lives better. Was that going on at Corinth? No. If we really want to be servants of the Lord, which we're all called to be, We will live to make other people's lives better. Isn't that what Jesus did? He gave his life for you and me to make our lives better, to make our lives blessed. It also says in Philippians 2, walking in the mind of Christ, not only to make ourselves of no reputation, not only 
to choose to be a servant. But third, he said to humble, he humbled himself. To humble ourselves, you guys. To not see ourselves as above others, which is pride. But to lovingly humble ourselves and yield ourselves. Lastly, to be obedient. To be obedient to the word of God. Simple obedience, you guys. Because we can know all this stuff, but if we don't walk in it, it goes nowhere. But when we do choose, we got the mind of Christ, we step out in faith to do it, what happens? It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He couples his enablement with his commandment, you guys. He gives you the strength to do what he calls you to do when you step out in faith and say, I will do this. I will serve. I will love. I will forgive. I will give of myself. And the Lord meets you there and gives you what you need to be successful in what he's called you to do. Are you with me this morning? Are you guys with me this morning? This is like super vital. We don't want to end up like Corinth. We want to get the amen of the Holy Spirit. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. servant. Not good and faithful superstar. Good and faithful servant. This is where the Corinthians were missing it. Not walking in the mind of Christ. In fact, look at the next type of person. What does it say? And by the way, the world has its wisdom. The world has its mind too. But we have the mind of Christ. We're able to think like him, to process things like him, to walk in that and to experience his power. It works, you guys. And Paul goes on to say, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. Why? For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So Paul addresses them, brothers and sisters, I was unable to communicate and share with you as mature believers, as spiritual people. Those being led by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, learning things from the Spirit, using things given to us by the Spirit, but how? As carnal. What's carnal mean? Fleshly. We eat, we eat chili con carne, right? Chili with, chili with meat. These are Christians con carne. Good way to remember it. Are you, are you a Christian concarne today? Hopefully, hopefully not. What is, listen, it, they are in Christ. They are a Christian. You're born again, but you're dominated by your flesh, the lust of the flesh. You do what you feel like doing, what everyone else is doing. You follow your own instincts. You operate independently of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he says, you are a babe in Christ. And that doesn't mean really cute or a hottie when you see babe. It means you are immature in the Lord. You're part of the family of God, but your spiritual growth is stunted. You're still in diapers, so to speak. 
And listen, there are, there are new babes and there's old babes. A new babe is precious. Someone that just got saved, someone got saved first service. Hallelujah. A new babe, that's exciting. And we get to see what? We get to see them nourished and grow up in the faith and walk with Jesus. But there's some old babes. Those that have walked with the Lord, have been with the Lord, been a Christian a long time, but they, are, they never go on to maturity. A lot of times it's the Word of God, their diet. They're not taking in the Word of God. Or they're in a church where the pastor or whoever, the teacher, is not giving the Word of God in which we would grow, 1 Peter chapter 2. But there's other issues too, part of the problem we see here. Think about babies. Aren't babies cute? Aren't babies? No? When they're babies, when they're babies, they're cute. And they get away with stuff because they're babies. Right? There's some stuff that my kids, if if they're teenagers doing that stuff, we have a problem. Correct? Are you with me? It's, it's, It's sad. It's tragic. It's pathetic. They're still doing the same things they were doing when they were in diapers. Babies can't feed themselves, can they? Like, you don't see them going to the fridge and pulling out a bottle. They have to be fed, don't they? They can't feed themselves. And then what happens? You, give, you go for milk, and then what's the next thing? Gerber? Is that what it, the, and you, try, you ever you guys remember trying to feed them? It's like hitting a moving target, and they don't want to open. You've got to open, and you put it, and they close. And then they finally open, you get it in, and what happens? I spit it out because they don't know how to get the food to the back of the, th- back of the right. You guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And then you've got to scoop it up off their chin and off the thing. And let's try this again, right? And you're patient. Aren't you patient, right? Keep working with them. And then they get beyond that. And then you get more solids. Babies also do what? They mess themselves, don't they? <laughs> Babies are, and they stink, Yeah. <laughs> And babies are pretty me-centered, aren't they? Aren't they pretty? They're little self-centered me machines, right? They wake up, and you've got to feed me now. Blah, middle of the night, right? Honey, it's for you. <laughs> and, but that's fine when you're a baby. But not when you're a teenager or beyond, Correct? And that's the point that Paul's making. You guys haven't grown up. You're still babes in Christ. And he's so patient. Later he's going to say, you have thousands of teachers in Christ, but not many fathers. Because as a father, he cared for them. In fact, he said to the Thessalonians, he said to the Thessalonians, when I was with you, I cherished you like a nursing mother. Can you picture the Apostle Paul as a nursing mom? What is, how does a nursing mom take, cherish their child? They're gentle and tender. He doesn't write them off. He doesn't say, take this and eat it, you bozos. He's loving them. He's caring for them. He's like, he's reminded, I nourished you with milk, like babies, and not with solids. And up to this point, I can't, do, I can't, I can't feed you with solids. I can't teach you important things, deeper things, because you won't hear it. Listen, point, here's an important point. We should be growing as Christians. Yes. 
I think that's like a, a thrust of this passage. We should be growing as Christians. Are you with me this morning? We should be growing up. He says, though, in verse 3, you're still carnal. You're still babies. You're still dominated by your flesh. Not mature, maturing spiritually as you should. So what are some marks of a carnal Christian? A babe in Christ. They have a TV in their house. They dance. That's a carnal Christian. She's wearing pants. That's a carnal Christian. <laughs> it's interesting what people come up with, isn't it? Look what it says. Number one, what was the, what's the first mark? Envy or jealousy. It's interesting, in the book of Numbers, I was just reading it last week. You guys remember Korah? Korah led this rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And the dude was discontent with where he was in ministry. So he leads a rebellion because he's jealous and envious. And it's so awesome to see how Moses reacts and responds to the whole situation. But God dealt with it. God dealt with that envy, that jealousy. But that can creep up in our hearts, can it? Envy and jealousy of ministries that people have. How come I'm not asked to go do that ministry? How come I'm not asked to lead? How come I'm not asked to teach? How come I'm not whatever? That person got, was able to do that. And what happens is we get our eyes off of the Lord, don't we? We get our eyes off of the Lord. Didn't it happen with Peter? Remember when? Uh, remember when Jesus met his disciples at the Sea of Galilee? They had gone fishing. They ended up empty, right? Empty netted. You guys remember that? Throw it on the other side of the boat. They get that huge haul of fish. Bring it in. Peter tries to walk on the walk on water thing again, but doesn't. He comes in. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? He serves them fish and chips by the seaside. Resurrected, glorified, awesome, still a servant. He serves them. And then he takes a little walk with Peter, right? Three times, Peter, do you? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times he denied him. Three times he asked him that. So think about that with me. They're walking together. And then Jesus tells Peter, here's how it's going to roll out with your life. Here's how it's going to go down. When you're young, you know, you got dressed, you did this. When you're old, someone else is going to gird you. You're going to die, you're going to die a martyr's death. And then Peter all of a sudden says, well, what about that guy? And he's talking about who? John. Well, what about him? Come on. And don't we do that? What about that person, Lord? What about so-and-so? And remember what Jesus said to him? Never mind him. You follow me. You follow me. You keep your eyes on me. It's interesting, that word envy, in the Greek, it means, it also means boiling from heat. Literally. Zeal. It can be good or bad. It's used in a number of places in the New Testament. And isn't that what the, what the Corinthian Christians were? They were fired up, intense, explosive, but it's, it's carnality. You see your zeal as a good thing, but you're acting like a little kid. You, anybody here ever get in an argument? With someone that gets louder and louder and louder? Hopefully it's not you. I, I'm learning that one that gets louder and louder, more aggressive, is usually the one that's wrong. They're fired up because there's a lack of content. They're so emotional. They substitute emotion for content. They're fired up, the Corinthians. 
There's strife. Look, what, look at the next thing. Carnal Christian. That's needless contention. Looking to quarrel. You guys know anybody that just loves to fight? That just pick a fight and want to quarrel, debate, argue. It means discord, bickering, controversy, and also drama. The Bible says by pride comes nothing but strife. By pride comes nothing but strife. Do you know anybody like that? You guys ever been to someone's house and it's all it's just fighting? Anybody ever been in a house like that? It's just like oh. Calgon, take me away. But Paul's saying, listen, you're worked up, you're lashing out, you're fighting everyone in the name of spirituality, trying to correct everyone. Listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're picking battles with your brothers and sisters. And we don't we fight over the dumbest things as Christians, by the way? Divisions means destructive conflict, isolation means taking a stance, two people that won't change, stubbornly dug in, fighting. You know what happens when people are fighting like this? When this is happening in our lives, you can't hear the Lord. You can't, you can't learn what God wants to teach you. Are you with me this morning? He says, you're carnal. It's fleshly. You're behaving. You're acting like, what does it say at the end of verse 3? You're behaving like mere men. Listen, Christian, brother or sister, you are not to behave like a mere man, an ordinary person. Our lives as Christians are to be marked by the supernatural. Not by our own abilities, our own capabilities, our natural man, but by the Holy Spirit working through our lives. You guys remember Samson? You guys remember Samson? Judge in Israel? He was a one-man wrecking crew, wasn't he? You know what? Samson never did anything with anyone else. He always did ministry alone. God used his life big time. Right? Powerful. Here's this guy, and he would, he would always flirt with stuff that he wasn't supposed to be involved in. Yet his life given to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord... You guys remember Samson? You guys remember him? When you pick up a children's Bible book or like children's storybook, what's Samson look like? Isn't he all like buff, right? Big old hammers, made in Israel traps, right? Six pack. But remember what the Philistines said about him? To Delilah? Can you try to find out where he gets all his strength from? They didn't say, we know where his strength lies. Look at those you know, 48-inch guns. We just got taken down. Is that interesting? Where does he get his strength from? Why is he so mighty? You know what I think? I think he was like a pipsqueak little Jewish guy with long hair. <laughs> Personally. Because why would they ask that? Where does he get his strength from? Remember what he did? He fooled around with Delilah playing games. You know, if you weave my hair like this and you make dreadlocks like that, and I'll become like any mere man. The thing is, Samson, you are not to be like any mere man. Your life is to be set apart and consecrated for God in connection with the Lord, just like you and I. And what did he do? He jacked with his calling. He jacked with his commitment to the Lord. You remember what he did? 
She kept nagging him, nagging him, nagging him. And finally he's like, what, you cut my hair? I'll be like any other man. And what happened, remember? That's what happened. Shaving a haircut, two bits, right? Hair shaved off. And what's so sad is it said he got up just like every other time and he thought it was no different and he's ready to put a hurting on somebody and it says the Lord departed from him. That's heavy, man. You see, his strength wasn't in his long hair. His strength was in his commitment to the Lord, his consecration to God. Just the same way you and I are to be committed to him and consecrated unto him. We are not to be like mere men and mere women, ordinary men and women. Our lives are to be marked. We are to be salt and light. Jesus said, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. You and you alone are the light of the world. We are to be different, you guys. Remember what happened to Samson, how it rolled out, how it finished up? It's, it's such a beautiful story of God's grace because we're out of time, so I'm going to finish right here. Remember what happened? Philistines took him, poked out his eyes, made him grind like he was grinding wheat, right? Some little dungeon. And his hair began to what? Grow back. And here's the thing. It took him losing his physical eyes so that he might see spiritually. That's To me, that gives me goosebumps. I'm like, Lord... I want to see spiritually. Don't take <laughs> I don't want to jack around with my calling, with my commitment. God help me. And it, and it says, his, it, I don't think it's on accident, his hair began to grow back. And his communion with the Lord began to grow back. And he's like, Lord, use my life one more time. One more time. He's mentioned in the, the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11, by the way. In the New Testament. And God used him that one last time. You see, he finished well. The question is, are we going to finish well, you guys? The question for, for Corinth was, are you going to finish well? And at the end of this chapter, we're not going to get there today. Or maybe next week or next month. We're going to get there sometime. <laughs> Paul's going to talk about the discipline of the Lord. And he's going to talk about at the end, at, later in this chapter, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. You only have one life to live. And it's not, is that little argument going to be worth it in heaven? Is it going to matter in heaven? That little petty controversy, is that going to matter in heaven? Your little pet thing you got going on, your drama you got going, is that going to matter in heaven? Your life, there's a sign in Mexico, your life on earth will soon be passed. Only what you do for Christ will last. That's it, man. All the other stuff we're going to learn about next week, burned away. Only what we do for our Savior, motivated by love, that's what's going to last eternally. We get our eyes off the temporary junk, the petty squabbles, strife, envy, divisions, and we get our eyes on Jesus and store up our treasures in heaven. Amen? Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this passage. Lord, the weight of it, the necessity of it. Thank you for being so patient with us. Lord, help us to go deeper, Lord, with you.
that none of these none of these things we're reading about would hold us back, that we would repent and make adjustments if necessary. That we would rejoice in who you are and what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. Forgive us. We can be so fleshly sometimes, so carnal. Make so many messes. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stay, that we would go on to maturity. Walking with the mind of Christ. Walking those things that you've taught us today. And as we're still in